stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined again because we just had him on recently by John Blank, Zach's chief equity strategist. And for those of you who don't know, he is an economist with a PhD. So I've asked him to come on um, soon after our last discussion about what 2020 was going to look like. Well, that was only a couple of weeks ago because uh, with this coronavirus outbreak, things have kind of changed a bit and we need his economic expertise to tell us what kind of impact could this have on the global economy, um, China and the U.S., obviously. Is this some kind of black swan event that they used to talk about? That black swan thing kind of has been forgotten a little bit here, but this is kind of reminding me of it, but maybe it isn't one. I don't know. And what should investors be doing, if anything, or should we just be sitting there waiting for this to all play out? So welcome back, John. Yeah, happy 2020 here. We're not even through the first month yet. But um, I did want to talk about the coronavirus because this has now become the center stage thing here in January. And um, I thought I'd take a look first at how it compares to the SARS because everybody is talking about this, but it kind of annoys me that they're talking about it. But I, I wanted to compare first of what we know from the coronavirus with what happened in SARS. And for those who don't know the SARS epidemic, it was in 2000 to 2003. It was also a similar coronavirus type of thing that was just called SARS instead that time. And the SARS, um, has an interesting timeline because they had their first case in November of 2002. And then kind of it's known the government kind of kept silent on it for a couple of months. But they did finally notify the World Health Organization in February, on February 7th, 2003. And then um, things kind of took off by then and it was like escalating. They The WHO the World Health Organization did issue a global alert on March 12th, and then by March 29th of 2003, the CDC issued its first travel advisory that included mainland, all of mainland China and Singapore. But by July 3rd, after it had spread to 17 countries, and there were about 8,000 people total who were infected and about little over 800 deaths, by January 3rd or July 3rd of 2003, the CDC removed its travel alert from China and then from several other countries that also had the alert. And basically th that um, epidemic had played itself out. There was no vaccine. There was no like kind of cure, just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, played itself out. So a lot of people are comparing what's happening now and the current numbers on the coronavirus here are about 4,500 cases confirmed so far, 107 deaths. The first, this was first reported to the World Health Organization on December 31st. So, and that was presumed to be in the very early stages. So we didn't have a couple months delay as what happened in SARS. So everybody's moving a little bit quicker here, but we've already had the um, travel advisory. Now the CDC has put one on all of China and then uh, recent 
um, developments. Hong Kong has closed its China borders on especially high-speed rail. I think that includes the airports, so they're not letting in visitors. And um, China itself is trying to limit their Lunar New Year travel, which apparently was somewhat successful. It's down 40% from last year. And for those who don't know, the Lunar New Year is like the big, uh, you know, Christmas holiday period in China. Everybody's off for at least a week, right? I think it's over a week there. And everybody travels. It's like when you go on vacation to like Thailand or Bali or wherever you are going. So that makes it a little bit uh, more challenging here for the government to try to get um, containment of this virus. And as we know, I think it's something like 60 million people are on some form of kind of kind of a lockdown or quarantine-ish kind of situation. And they are pushing out the uh, Lunar New Year for at least an extra week. A lot of cities are extending it until February 9th now. So people will just not return to work. They'll stay home till February 9th. And I've seen some schools extended until February 24th now. So John, um, SARS impacted the Chinese economy, they say, by anywhere between 1.1 to 2.6%. And I saw a number from the Asian Development, Development Bank that said it was a loss of 18 billion. But this one, it should like it's going to be a lot different than what SARS is, isn't it? Because, I mean, just looking at the Chinese economy here in 2020 compared to 2002, 2003, and I don't think there's even really a comparison. Yeah, Teresa, let me uh, I'm on El Xavier's website which is for expert guidance and commentary. Okay. So key facts for clinicians. So first of all, let's try to explain to people the key facts for a clinician as like a doctor and explain this to people. So first of all, China notified the World Health Organization of several cases of human respiratory illness linked to an open seafood and livestock market in the city of Wuhan. Yeah. Okay, so it started out in, in an open seafood and livestock market, so we don't actually know more than that. Right. Okay. Now, novel coronavirus have emerged as pathogens in the past. You already brought out SARS, which is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, and MERS, which is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Okay, so MERS and SARS are the previous outbreaks. Presentations. The incubation period is thought to be between 2 and 14 days. Symptoms include fever, which may be absent in persons at extreme ages or with, with cough, and dys- dyspepsia. Chest radiographs will show infiltrates. Clinical illnesses varies from mild to severe. About a quarter of cases have been classified as severe, and there are increasing numbers of deaths. In early cases, mortality is associated with advanced aid or comorbidities, which is other diseases. So the point about the deaths is it's killing people who are already probably going to die. Right. Now, one thing I've known about this is that the incubation period for two to 14 days means is the big problem. That yeah. Means two weeks. Yeah. You personally can have it for up to two weeks without knowing it. Right. Right. And so this is, I've read other language you'll see from these types of clinicians is pathogenicity, which is the thing doesn't get you for a while. 
<laughs> right. But that's Which is a big, big, big difference between SARS and MERS and this thing. Right. And it is also why I'm presuming we're seeing the extension of the lunar holiday. Just stay home, basically, at least for those 14 days, because that'll be right. that, that would make, that would make it over 14 days. Yeah. And that's probably what they're doing. And so the problem with GDP reports and all this hand wringing is that you can also just, you know, run down inventories and have a huge growth spurt after it's over, too. Okay. Well, that was my next question. Is this just like a blip in this quarter and then everything yeah. will return to normal? Yeah. This example, one time I had a, a subscriber, I put up a post once on, on Brazil because there was a trucker strike that closed all the major arteries. Okay. And the GDP growth rate went negative. And I put up this thing and this gentleman didn't like it. And I explained to him, look, I don't understand trucking strikes, but I do understand the end and things usually pop up. Right? Yeah. I think this is the same kind of situation. I, we can understand this pretty well. It's it's not that dangerous of a thing. That the you know it's basically a form of viral pneumonia. Right. Uh, it takes twelve to fourteen days. So you, what you do is you can't treat it, but you can recover from it if you're healthy and you right. hang out. Right. Right. So, right. I mean, imagine just yeah. being a really really bad flu. Right. Yeah. So what you're going to do is what we all do, which is to lay down. You know, in the worst case, go to the hospital and get some something to help you get through it, and then basically stay away from everybody. Okay, so um, companies like, I, I saw some of the auto sector over there, Ford and others who have factories and whatnot, they, they're just going to be on hold, basically, as the Lunar New Year's extended, so they will lose a week of production, but that's not the end of the world, as you said, because it'll just ramp up again once everybody gets back in there. But the restaurants and, you know, some of the tourism side of things, they may not get back whatever they're losing, right? So that may be an area that people should want to stay away from. Or will it just be, oh, yeah, we're going to take a hit like a Starbucks. We're going to take a hit in this quarter and then it'll be fine. Well, here's, here's what they say. I'm uh, just to, to point out how this can play out for all these groups. Infection control measures provide the patient with a face mask and place the patient in a closed room. Yeah. Patients managing home are encouraged to self-isolate in a single area of the house. And you should follow diligent hand and cough hygiene. So there'll be a boom in face masks and hand and cough hygiene right. material. Right. Isolation is and close room, so there'll be a lot of uh, people on social media and stuff trying to cope <laughs> with the thing. Right. Well, and right. and online deliveries should surge, online too. Online deliveries should go up, yeah. right? Yeah. And you would think, you know, I was watching a hotel thing where automated, you know, room service was now in play because people were, didn't okay. want to deliver to, to coronavirus potential, but right. they would want right. food. So I think... The other thing that's interesting to think about is the kinds of stimulation that will happen like that that will have longer effects once people get used to it. You see this in Japan all the time after the SARS thing. Everybody still wears face masks now in Japan. Right, right. Because they have one of these breaks. So sometimes these things just kind of ramp up and and keep going because people change behavior and learn things. Right. So it sounds kind of like you're not that concerned about this having a big impact on the global economy at all. I don't think so. I mean, it... The problem with it, you know, people get the idea that it's a plague, you know, and, like, people are yeah. dying in the streets. And right. I see some videos of people, like, you know, covered in blankets, shaking like crazy. Yeah, yeah. But that gets into the idea that that is 
tied to some other illness the guy had on top of this thing. Right, right. Because uh, my understanding, I'm just having read what I've read, that's my understanding, is that, you know, by and large, you, if you're healthy and you just take care of yourself, you'll come back to, around on the thing. Okay. So if stocks were to sell off here on just the j- jitters, we've seen a couple shaky days already where they've pulled back. Is this a buying opportunity then? This is what's really more, a little trickier though, Tracy, because the Hang Seng Index went down 3.5% on the news. It did, and then it closed. And then it closed. Yeah. And the thing closed down 9% during the SARS thing. Okay. So the, the hard thing here is this Lunar New Year thing. Um, you know, we, we're trying to figure out what the market's going to do when the thing's over. Right. Whether it's going to be like this stalling of the market sideways until the, the people show up from work at the end of this thing. But see, then that can go two ways. I mean, it can go into they're, they're starting to t- get control of it, let people move around a little more, you know, and right. they can get a little slightly better, or they can get way worse, right, and keep the thing closed for another week, which can be interpreted all kinds of ways. But like we just saw them with the 14 days, it might not be a surprise for them to extend this, like you talked about, in lunar year for an extra week this time around. Yeah. So that there might be less similarities to this thing than the SARS. Okay. And I think... You know, the other problem you have is how does this play out with all the other stimulus and the repo buying and all the stuff the Fed's doing anyway? Right. Uh, my, my, like I wrote about back in the Soleimani bombing a month ago, which is our, our last middle crisis, the general rule on this stuff is the direct financial market stuff overwhelms stuff that's indirect. Okay. Right? This is very indirect. It's sort of, you know, down the pipe, six, six waves of from the financial market. And so valuations, the Fed, and just, you know, general bonuses in January are probably going to overwhelm this thing. Okay. Just that's my my main point I would point out to people as an equity strategist is equities are equities and bonds and rates and money affect them, you know, 90% and then it's down the pipe to these other things. Okay. Well, that seems somewhat positive then. Yeah, I think so. I think you have to be positive on this. and But then at the same token, I mean, the sell-off can just get underway for those other reasons. The valuations are out of hand. Right, right. right. And so that, that's the other problem here. The value, This thing can correct now just under, now that we're underway that the momentum traders can just start unloading, you know, stuff for, for using that as an excuse. Where, where do we draw the line between that, right? Right. So when you were on um, in December and we were looking into what, we might think would happen in 2020. You said at the time you didn't know how long the rally would go. It could go into the middle of next year or nobody knows, right? Does uh, the last couple of weeks change your mind on that? Is this the start of some kind of correction? Is it coming earlier than maybe you thought it might? Or What's your answer to that, Tracy? I'm kind of curious. Um, I don't think it is the start of the correction. I feel yeah, like it's just like gonna, too. yeah, it's just gonna be. We've sold off a couple of days, but the the earnings reports for some of these big caps that have been leading the rally are gonna be just too good. Yeah, and that gets to my point you're making that I think these these earnings reports and actual fundamentals and you know the repo buying you you know stuff is gonna still keep going. Yeah, and. Uh, and I think, you know, you're looking at the trend of this market the last three months. It didn't look to me more like 
the the selling we did see just took it back to a trend, yeah. right? Right. And I think what we might see is just a period where we do point two, point threes, or you know, go sideways for four or five days and then start up that trend again. But yeah, I can't disagree with you. I, I'm, you know, the bull trend's not broken by this thing for sure. This is not the thing that breaks it. Okay, because a lot of the bears are like, "This is it. <laughs> this is what yeah, we're gonna. I mean, the big know, correction is, I, is coming. The big yeah, one. I don't. I just don't think it has enough. It's in China. It's a virus. It's um, not that. I mean, three percent mortality, which is all in older people. It's not killing workforces or anything. You know. Okay. And I, you think ultimately this thing gets to a point where they get it under control and they get back to work, and it's in a different country anyways, so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll be watching all that. But I wanted to give a a few stock tips to people um, about some things that I'm kind of looking at if we have this, like, mini little pullback here, which I guess we've had a little mini one. Um, we'll see if this holds. But um, I put together a list of a couple of stocks that I've been kind of watching that have some have been a little weak, but a couple have not. So um, I do like the regional banks still here, and they're not as impacted by anything going on in China. So KeyCore is one of the names that I like. Ticker is K-E-Y. They have a dividend yield of 3.9%. So I kind of like hanging out in dividends here. And it has come off of its 2020 highs. PE is just 10. So, but there's a lot of different regional banks you could be looking at, but this is just one of them. It's a Zach's rank three right here though. Um, another one, some of the marijuana stocks. What do you think about the marijuana stocks here, John? You know, I'm not the guy to answer that question well, but they're certainly up strong today. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, people are like, well, these sold off and why not be checking some of these out? One of the ones that I have talked about a lot is Innovative Industrial Properties. It's ticker IIPR. Their PE now, they are a REIT, so they pay out to the shareholders. Their PE is at 4.7% here, so pretty decent. They just had a real nice payout last quarter because they're getting bigger, paying out a little bit more. And uh, they did just do a secondary, so the shares got hit a little bit because they're going to be buying some more um, properties, so they needed some cash. But it's been on a tear while the rest of the market's been down here. Um, so some people are deciding to go into some of these marijuana stocks, I guess. Um, another one, Boot Barn. I've talked about them in the past, ticker B-O-O-T. They're a totally domestic U.S. retailer. They've come down a little bit off their highs, too, on the this little pullback. So they're down 4.1% year to date now. Um, still not super cheap with that little pullback, but 22 times, but double digit same store sales growth going on at Boot Barn. Everybody wants some boots apparently. Um, and then Exxon, I saw this, that they're down back down to near 52 week lows. Ticker there is XOM. I know a lot of people don't want energy, especially some younger investors out there don't want anything to do with fossil fuels. But if that uh, isn't your worry, Exxon uh, has that dividend now at 5.25, which I saw on Twitter. Someone said it was the highest yield there, something like 26 years, 29 years, like almost three decades. So um, if you're looking for a yield, Exxon might be the one. And if you're really looking for yield, another REIT, Maseric, M-A-C is the ticker there. 
Um, they own shopping malls, so <laughs> nobody wants them. Uh, and those shares are have recently hit new uh, 52-week lows. It might be multi-year lows. I'd have to go look at the chart. I think it is because that dividend in this REIT is now yielding 12.5%. They are Zach's number four right here, but they're about to report earnings still. So we'll see what happens there. But kind of a lot of... Um, you know, some stocks that aren't really performing the way some of the big caps are, John, are you kind of looking around at some of these ones that are getting beaten down or are you going for the winners? You know, I, I'm still um, watching this year evolve. One of the things I just pulled up this morning was all the ETFs and the sectors and all the ETFs, regions, global regions. And what I learned okay. is... Um, Basically, everything but tech just bounced back for 2018 and 2019. Okay. It was just basically a bounce back. Yeah. And you just averaged out the double, doubled the years over, you know, nine of the 10 sectors of the S&P were basically pretty understandable. Okay. And then you had a 50% move in tech. Right. That's been the big driver. That's been a big driver. So that's the issue that either you're going to sink us or we're going to swim in it. It's hard to argue that that's not overdone. Right. Right. That's and what I would much been more saying. likely to see the tech sell-off take the rest of the market down here in the correction. That would be my number one way it goes. Okay. And the other thing I saw internationally last year is, you know, get them to put the 25% return on, on the S&P, and there was literally, other than Russia, Russia was the one non-U.S. part of the world that came to that level. Everything else didn't. So the truth is there's probably no reason to go into small caps or even international, when they don't perform like the S&P. Right. It's hard. Um, yeah. And this is where we're at. I mean, everyone's calling these turns, um, but they're not in the data. And the buying you look at over those regions over the last two years, you just don't see any conviction out there for the international right, right now. Yeah, I own some international ETFs, and I'm, I'm hanging in there, but it's it's not been good. <laughs> well, that's it. That's <laughs> it. I mean, that's the last truth. You you're being honest with people. I agree with that. I own some yeah. stuff, and you know, I just sold off for the large cap trader. I, I sold off Lloyd's because I thought it was a good yeah. play. Insurance, he had the good earnings and all yeah. this stuff, and it was cheap, and the dividend was there, and it didn't do anything. Right. Yeah. And I think you know this is the problem. I just don't know um, until we have some kind of financial dynamic within the currency markets that indicates money is moving out of the United States en masse. Um, until that happens, I think the call on the international stocks is just blank, just early. Okay. You know? yeah. And you're not diversifying risks all that much. I mean, what are you getting out of it if you're just getting less money out of stuff? Right, you know? right. And, and some of these still... these uh, tech, big tech names are truly global giants anyways. Yeah, that's, you know, this is the thing I think... It's going to be a recession before we get a reset on the kinds of things driving the market, in my mind. Okay. And I think about that in terms of value versus growth. I mean, when is the value going to pop back? Probably not until a recession happens and everything gets ground down again. Yeah. So okay. I think, you know, looking for these big thematic moves, it's tough to say that 2020 is just about more of the same. Um, but the potential for a big tech crash is there. Right. And that's going to be the game changer that's going to get everybody surprised, and it's right in your face right now. Okay. I mean, you put a 50% return on one sector and everything else is doing 20. 
Like, you don't have to be a genius, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. There's a 30% correction in tech, and then those names get thrown away. They don't all run to these other in a rotation. It just turns into a bloodbath. Right, right. That should be your, everyone's number one risk right now. Yeah, okay. We'll keep that in mind, and I'm sure I'll be having you on again in in possibly a couple of weeks. Who knows the way things are going? But um, yeah, we're going to be checking in all year long on what's going on out there with the economy and the stock market, obviously. And let me recap what those tickers are that I talked about today. If you're looking around for non-tech names, these are all non-tech. Uh, we had KeyCore. It's one of the regional banks, but there's a lot of them. You can choose amongst the ones that are your favorite, but that one is K-E-Y. Uh, one of the marijuana stocks, this is a REIT, so they own the buildings and then they lease them out to marijuana growers, basically. That's Innovative Industrial Properties, IIPR. Boot Barn, one of the best retailers out there, B-O-O-T. Exxon, if you um, are looking for that high dividend, X-O-M. And then another high dividend REIT, but it's in shopping malls. So you got to kind of be a contrarian to go for this one. Maseric, uh, dividend is 12.5% right now, and that's M-A-C. So as always, you want to subscribe so you make sure you get the Zach's Market Edge every week because we're covering all the hot topics here. And you can get us on Apple Podcasts, and we are on Spotify as a standalone show now, and always on SoundCloud, where you'll also get the Value Investor Podcast if you subscribe there. But be sure to get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.